the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best air of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today's NFL Wire site, all about the Arizona Cardinals, episode 489. It's our review show. With me is co-host Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site. And this is the, again, yes, this is the review show. The Cardinals lose 21-16. On the road to the Houston Texans, a game in which they were both exciting offensively and bad offensively, terrible defensively, and then really good defensively. And in the end, a game that, yeah, they couldn't quite pull it off. And that team was very, very broken up about that loss, weren't they? Yeah, and it's just one of those things that it's unfortunate that, you know, they're basically in what well, I mean, what would you say? Probably week four of like training camp preseason basically form with Kyler and it and it showed up in, in a couple big throws that he just missed. And you know, it's just a rhythm thing and it's it's just a situation where they need to figure out where you know, when this all comes together, because like you said, there were some real, real highs in the game again, but there was also some just stuff that you're like, ah, that just, that can't be something they miss. And, and, and then on the flip side, like you said, you had, you had, uh, him just, or you had the defense just like, look, completely lost in the first i mean literally just looked like they couldn't stop a runny nose and then the second half they don't give up any points and you're like oh and so the jekyll and hyde of this team is interesting because i mean would it have been better to have both go cold in in one half and both get hot in one half could you have rode that to a win more than the offense kind of going um and the the ironic thing and something we'll talk about is that like some of it was just decision making or maybe overuse of analytics um because they really kind of screwed themselves and and i get it from the perspective of okay how long can this defense hold out against what had been a great texans offense but at the same time they answered the call every time and and it, you know it's just obviously hindsight's so easy to make this call but <laughs> yes like, absolutely it, it, you just kick want that early field goal early in the in the fourth quarter then we're probably just having a different conversation right very very possibly yes uh, we want to talk about specifically Kyler. We're going to talk about who we're going to blame. Seth's kind of brought up a huge, a bunch of those things. What are we going to blame for this loss? We're going to talk about how close are they to being the team that they want to be this year. And we got more injuries and more adjustments coming. So let's start with the play of Kyler Murray. Um, my goodness, didn't it look like he was going... Well, we both, we both were like, yeah, this is going to be... Um, 
based on what we'd seen from the from the Texans' pass offense, pass defense, we expected we expected a bit of a, a shootout. Honestly, we did. We expected a shootout. We expected that the the Cardinals to be able to pass the ball pretty well, and that it would be kind of an electric game. And it started that way with the you know technically the second play from scrimmage, but third F because of a penalty. And Kyler throws a bomb to Rondell Moore, bringing up shades of that that first conversation um, Jonathan Gannon had with Rondell Moore in the building about pew, 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 explosive shots. And, you know, it was exactly what we envisioned or what we hoped this offense would do with Rondell Moore. And just an absolute bomb and a dime of a throw uh, into the arms of Rondell Moore for a touchdown. And that really got things started. But in the end, Kyler Murray was 20 of 30, 214 yards, a touchdown, an interception. He rushed for 51, added a touchdown there as well. And it was, it felt like, and I think you would agree, maybe, maybe you'll agree, that with what we saw against Atlanta, this was a little bit of a step backward. Um if you look at the totality of it, right? actually, if you look at specific moments, because they were in position again to go down the field, only he couldn't pull it off this time. And and, and he, I, I'm not going to say it was rusty, it's just the timing wasn't there. He had a couple of a stinker of throws, and, and the timing, you could tell that it's not, it wasn't quite as crisp as it was against Atlanta. Well, and that's just what it was. There just wasn't the there wasn't the cohesiveness. There wasn't the familiarity, and and you know they and you got to remember in the end, the plays in the Atlanta game that won them the game were his legs, and then Trey McBride making a great play on the ball to come back and and you know get himself in a position to uh, to make a thirty plus yard catch, and in this game there were instances where Kyler missed throws. I mean, obviously the the easiest one to point out was the fourth down throw to McBride. I'm there not even sure. Throw, there was another throw to McBride that was just an absolute stinker. Like it yeah. came out of his, it came, it, I don't know. I, I, on replay, I thought maybe it gotten tipped because it didn't look like at the beginning, but it just looked like it just wobbled out of his hand and went to the ground. But yeah, it was, and he said, he said it was bad. He had, it was bad footwork. He he didn't get clean with that. But yeah, the, the McBride form, even the throw, even the throw to Hollywood, even the throw to Hollywood was just, it was a really great play by Stingley, but and it's been that case. It's a Marquise has been Hollywood has been the most unlucky receiver. And Kyle Odegaard kind of tweeted like Hollywood would have three thousand yards this year right now at this point if his quarterbacks could hit him when he's open. You know, right. Kyler needed to put more on that ball. Let let Hollywood get under it, and it was in a p- place where where Stingley was able to make a play on it. Just took it away from from Hollywood, and, and Hollywood frankly just isn't a physical enough receiver to play defensive back and, no, and to break up a play no, like that. Not at all. And and so you go back and you look at the, you look at the, the, you know, end of the third start of the fourth quarter and you just look at it, you know, you know, you have, uh, you have them getting to the, their own 43 
in three plays and and then you have the the really nice play by Dorch and then you have a, a three yard loss right to to James Conner and then he completes Kyler completes a pass to Elijah Higgins that they overrule and say it's incomplete okay they decide to run a, a quick draw they decide to run a quick draw. They get 10 yards, and now it's fourth and three, and you're thinking, oh, well, they're obviously going to go for it, right? Like, the, the, it was obvious. But you go back, and this is obviously the hindsight we're talking about, right? But you go back and you say, all right, this is a fourth and three from the 23. There's just under 13 minutes left in the game. And... And you kick a field goal there, and it's 21-19. Obviously, we have no idea if the game plays out exactly the same or anything like that. But there were a couple instances. Obviously, the first one, they basically get a three and out and then get screwed on what was one of the worst calls I can remember. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, the whole ball don't lie thing happens, and, and they get you know, Chris. Yeah, Barnes so luckily, makes, yeah, they were luck. They were fortunate enough that 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 botched play didn't matter. But right. what in the world? Like, I, you know what the officials did, and this, I know this is the, this is where from. If if got people you're listening, you're, you don't know what we're referring to. It was the punt that was ruled that hit. I was it um, Starling Thomas. Yeah, and it actually hit a Texans player. Um. And Starling and Thomas's reaction is what you would expect of someone who knew that he didn't touch the ball because then the ball's free. If he was worried about all that he had touched it, he would be trying to recover it. But in that situation, the ball bouncing free, if he tries to jump on it and 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 land on it and it scoots out at all, then the Texans who had like five players right there, and and the the officials they ruled it touched the Thomas and as a result because it was a turnover and then they could review it but then they didn't overturn it on review even though we thought like it looked pretty obvious that it wasn't Thomas and and obviously you were watching the broadcast as well I mean even uh, Gene Steratore was kind of like I don't know how they came back with Uh, this being the you know and it happens and like I said it like you said it it ended up not mattering but you think about that right so you kick the field goal you force the punt there's 10 50 left in the game after that play if if everything and even if you get the ball to 25 or whatever and and then you go down and you're at the 45 now that's a you know that's a long field goal but you have a choice at that point, right? So it's it's 21-19. You can kick a 60-yard or 61-yard field goal, or there's seven-plus minutes left in the game, and you can make a decision on, and say, hey, we're going to punt and pin them deep and kind of force them to have to go the length of the field to, to ice the game. And, again, they make a great play. Uh you know, obviously they go for it. They, it doesn't work. Um, that's the play that Jess was referring to when, when Kyler just didn't get his feet right and, and missed Trey McBride wide open over the middle uh, of the field. Th- that's on Kyler. I mean, there's no question about that. 
Didn't then they get the ball back, and again now it's, or then you know Houston gets the ball back, and again they play great defense, and and uh, Antonio Hamilton injures himself intercepting a pass from Tank Dell. Poor guy just cannot stay healthy. But um, so now they get the ball back with just under five minutes to go, and you know now they've got to go, they've got to go eighty-one yards to win the game. Um, they only had two timeouts left. And it just seemed like even though they, they, you know, went down the field, it just seemed like it was inevitably going to end in a, in a negative way, because even in, in that situation, you look at it, they had a, um, that incomplete pass where it just looked like Dorch and Murray weren't on the same page. Then they get a delay of game. So instead of third and seven is third and 12, they get the pass to, to Marquise Brown, right? Next play, they get the pass to Dorch. 31 yards um and that kind of sets them up and you're like okay and then they come back and they they throw you know they they get another first down and then coming out of the two minute warning and this was the most puzzling one to me they throw a screen to or like a swing pass to james connor and they lose five yards and now it's second and 15 you really can't afford to take a time out there and you look at that from that play until the next play ran, it took them all 35 seconds. And they only got a seven-yard completion to Jeff Swain. So now it's third and eight. And, you know, we talked about the last two plays. Christian Harris made a great play, a linebacker that deep in coverage. That was a great play by Christian Harris. Sometimes you have to nod your, you know, tip your cap to the defense. And then the last play was just one, you know, he he tried to heave it up. They played, they went all out blitz, cover zero. Uh, I don't know if it's on Kyler or the receiver to recognize it and run a hot route on that, uh, but nobody did, and he tried to throw it to Marquise Brown incomplete. But, you know, you look at it, there were two big plays that I thought kind of changed the momentum, and one of them was on Kyler, and we've talked about that. The other one was was on Greg Dortch, and Dortch had a really nice game. But on that first fourth down in the fourth quarter, fourth and three, he runs a he runs a two yard route and just gets plastered. And because he's five foot seven, and right, <laughs> and like and if you are that small, you cannot expect to yeah. fight your way for another yard. No, and and it's just a bad. And people would say, "Well, why did Kyler throw it?" Well, Kyler's in that situation. Kyler's expecting that he's running to the yard, one yard past the yard marker. So fourth and three, he's at four yards. And you have to remember in the, in the moment there's, I mean, Kyler has no way of knowing if he's at two yards or at four yards. And so to run a two yard route there, that's just, that's, you know, unfortunate. And, and we have to, you know, admit that the Texans, on those final drives did a really nice job of making sure that Kyler could not beat them with their, with his legs. Um, you look at, you look earlier in the, in the game, that's when Kyler Murray got most of his rushing yards. Right. But like in, I think he had one, one six yard gain that in the fourth quarter running the ball. And it was just, they were, they were, bracketing him and then spying him to make sure like hey we're just not gonna let this guy 
scramble to beat us. And, and that was kind of the difference in the game. And it really changed because I think, I think, I mean, everybody knows how explosive athletically he is, but I think the touchdown run really reminded D'Amico Ryans of like, Oh, this guy changes the <laughs> angles of of pursuit because there were four Houston Texans players there and just none of them took the right angle. And well, so yeah, like, and, and when you're watching the play in real time, you thought that... Kyler oh, you was, thought it was dead in the water. Right, and then he's in the end zone. And you're like, wait, <laughs> wait, what happened? <laughs> and, and so from that, you look at it... Um, you just look at it and you go, okay, that's that's where the things have to come in. They have to – they need to be able to make plays in the receiving game. A lot of it comes down to you, – you mentioned it. They just – I mean, without Michael Wilson, they they only have Trey McBride as their physical kind of receiver receiving option. I don't think we realized – how much they miss the physicality of Wilson until that game. Right. Because right. well, because it wasn't just it, you, you lose. Well, and it's the fact it wasn't that they didn't just have Wilson. They didn't have Zach Pascoe either because right. all four of their receivers are five, nine and smaller. Well, and it's oh. not even just the five, nine, but only Rondell Moore is really a guy that runs with any type of. Yes. Authority. That's and so, like you said, you know, you run that route with Dorch and it's just one of those situations that you're like, dude, that's that's on you. You have to have better, you know, field awareness, spatial awareness where you're at. Um, you know, the the throw to McBride, that's on Kyler. Like Kyler's got to make a better throw. The the interception, like you said, Kyler needs to put that out more. Let let Marquise run, similar to what he did with Rondell. Um, and I just think he didn't. I think a lot of that is the timing that we're talking about. Of like, oh, I needed to throw that three yards, four yards further down the field and not let it, you know, let it float as much as it did. Um, you know, and that's what I'm saying. It's just time. I'm not, it's not anything I'm worried about. Like if this was the, um, the Eagles game or, or obviously the Seahawks game and, and it's a similar situation, he's making these errors. It's like, okay, then this is something that we can have a discussion about of like, does he have the feel back or is it, you know, does he not have it? But like, the one thing we were curious about coming back is was his explosiveness, and that's still that's, yes. And so the, the the one there's one concern about Kyler that, and I think what it is, it's just I think it's partly just a bad habit because of his ability to throw off platform. What we don't see enough from him enough as I said enough of him enough it's just I, I think in a situation in particular like the throw to to Hollywood he doesn't do a traditional base for his throws like he doesn't do a traditional step into his throws in fact if you see him in practice um, what you see him doing is off balance throws like he's throwing off platform He's throwing while his balance is to the side. It's it's very baseball like, um, what he does. And and I was just having a conversation with my son about this. Is like the one thing you want you you're going to wonder if he's going to have to do that. Stri- the traditional square up, step into the throw, 
mechanics with the hips, shoulders, and arm. As he gets older and his arm strength diminishes, he's going to have to do that more. And I think, and I think that's the one bad habit he could he could do a little bit better is to rather than rely on his ability to throw from any platform and angle and balance is on those particular throws. And a lot of times, even on the deep throws, is he's getting rid of it real quick and it's almost all arm and it's not it doesn't even look like a traditional wind up and throw step in stepping into throw. It's it's all upper body. And I think that's the one thing that he kind of skips every once in a while that I think on a few throws would would do him good. And I think on the Hollywood throw in particular would have been beneficial for him to get that drive with his leg stepping into that throw and putting the ball where it needed to go. Yeah, and the one thing you look at is you just you understand that I think and and you like you said it's something to monitor. It's you know is it something he can grow into? You know, was it something that he was working on before the injury? And so, like, is it just a confidence thing and and having that strong base and throwing um, as as he goes, or is it something he can't do? And so, you know, it'll be something to monitor. But I think. You know, when you look at it through two games, you have to be, you have to look at it as trending up. I mean, he still had a top 12 QBR once again. Um, he still put them in a position to win the game again. And, and, you know, like we said, I think, I think, and obviously the, you know, the easily saying like, you know, looking at this through hindsight, you had the opportunities to kick those field goals, and I and I get the I do understand the analytics, but I think that sometimes people just overthink the the way the flow of the game is because that's the whole thing with analytics, right? Is it takes out the the emotion or the ebb and flow of the game and just yeah. looks at things from the numbers and says, hey, this is if you go for it here, you have this chance of winning if you do. But you had to have looked at it and gone damn i mean defensively we, we held them without a score in the third quarter like you know let's kick a field goal and and go have a chance to get a stop and then you know and then win a game and instead they just were chasing those seven points and, and yes. quite frankly they kept chasing the same points that they missed when they didn't get <laughs> yes. the two-point conversion let's, let's 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 pin that let's come back and let's talk specifically about that let's talk like we want to talk about who's to blame what what do we blame most about that game? So coming next on the Rise of Zero podcast, especially for Cardinals Talk and Web, let's talk about that. Where do we want to put the most blame? Was it the defense in the first half? Was it the offense overall? Was it Kyler's, you know, specific plays? Was it the game decisions? That's coming next on Rise of Zero Red. We're back on the Rise of Zero Red podcast, especially Cardinals Talk on the Web. Where do we place the blame? Um, for this loss, I mean, I mean, we're not like I don't like playing this game most of the time, but I do see, I do see this worth in a game like this where you had a lot of different choices. and 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 I'm going to be with Seth here. It's like I thought if there's one thing that we could point at, and and you know when you're down five, I get going for two. I do, in a sense, because if you do, then then okay. Then, then you put yourself into, but like, if you're early in the third quarter, I I often question why you want to chase points because you're going to have multiple opportunities later when 
I don't know. I, I, I get it, but I don't. I, I'm with you. Like, it's just so difficult well, to chase. It, Gungus, Gungus, um, your, your guy over in Revenge of the Birds, a, a, a fan that, that we both respect a whole lot, and he says, you know, when you go for two to set it up for a field goal and miss, then the next time you've got to kick the field goal, <laughs> right? Right, right. You've got to kick the field goal, and I think – if anything else, that first decision, it was, I just think it was, it's really short sighted. And I get it to an extent, but it, this was not a, it wasn't a 57 yarder. We're talking a 41 yard kick. We're talking a 41 yard quick wit kick, which is generally speaking a gimme. Yeah. And, and, and you the get, way you Matt Prater. And the way and Prater was booting the ball like crap, was, was crazy good. He just hammered that 57 yarder, the 55 yarder, whatever it was. But. You know, in that situation, take the field goal, take the points. You know, you get within two, and then then you're then you're within a field goal of taking the lead. It's not as efficient, but look at and you look at a couple other teams that are exactly the opposite. You've got the you've got Pittsburgh and you've got Denver, who have been doing that all year. Right. And so, you know, you get into field goal rates. You're like, okay, we'll kick a field goal. We're just going to keep this close, and then we'll we'll try to make plays late, rather than trying to get everything early. And I get it because if you convert and then you score a touchdown and you take a lead, you then can change your game plan a little bit because then you're playing from ahead. But it feels like you then you don't trust the defense to get you the ball back, especially as good as they're playing. Because you know, yes, the defense gave them a huge hole. The 21, they gave up 21 points, 333 yards. Uh, Singletary had over eight yards at halftime. Stroud had 259 yards and, and two scores at halftime. The first half defense was, oh my gosh, the, the Texans were absolutely shredding, absolutely shredding that that Cardinals defense in the first half. So I guess you can also blame them for getting too far behind. So yes, they got the 7 nothing lead, but... Then they, and then they just just kind of eroded, which is weird. Because even the defense was, if you look at it, it's not like they were. They were killing it, but it, it came. It was basically towards the last half of the second quarter, the offense kind of sputtered because they took the seven nothing lead, then they had a ten seven lead, then it was fourteen ten, and then it was twenty one ten, um, that. And it, that's where kind of things felt like felt like things fell apart is that that forty yard touchdown pass uh, over Marco Wilson, and that's when things kind of felt like oh crap. But then the defense only gave up eighty six yards in the second half. They held the Texans scoreless, and when you hold a team scoreless in a second half, and you're down eleven, you should win the game, right? Yeah, like so. Well, especially when you have when you have um, a scoring drive and then three drives that go, get you within field goal range, like that's that's again to your point. Like when you start chasing points early, it's fine, but you have to you have to make the decisions in the correct order. And I feel like <clears throat> that was probably and and I know you just you know spelled it out in a much more eloquent fashion, but that was probably one of the bigger mistakes of the game because instead of just putting yourself in a need to, to kick a field goal and let's be honest, that was probably the 
overall difference in the game right like instead of just needing to kick a field goal like last week you are now chasing a touchdown so your everything about your play calling changes absolutely imagine if they were down two points and and they were it it wouldn't have felt like that scramble at the end and and that's right now granted had they gotten within two we don't know how the rest plays out right or even or even if they just kicked the first extra point and that's like i i understand the the mathematics of it but with 30 minutes left in the game or 20 minutes left in the game or 25 minutes left in the game it feels like that extra point like do you think you're only going to get a field goal after that because ultimately don't you want to stop them and score more points um yeah they played it like there was no chance that they were going to get a stop and that's and and that's what the the disappointing portion of it was that they just they put themselves in a position where they had a chance and they just they kind of they kind of blew it and well and honestly They've been bad at two point conversions this year. <laughs> They've been bad. Yeah, at- and and you would think with Kyler back it would have been a little bit easier, but yeah, they like you said it was it was probably just a bad a bad sequence of events overall. And so uh, if if I'm going to place blame blame, that's the one thing in terms of coaching. The coaching decisions made it harder. Because they were they were in scoring position. Now they were like, yes, that that fourth down throw was bad. That should have been a play. And, and we've heard we've heard like years ago, Bruce Arians when when it was a questionable decision, but the play was there. He doubled down. No, it was the right decision. The players needed to execute. And so, and some at some level, yes, okay. At some level, that does make sense because if the play was there, Cliff said that sometimes too. We like the look. Uh, that th- was the right play. It just it just didn't happen. It wasn't executed right. But if you're in a situation, you, you have to execute. You've got to execute that. So it's kind of the whole thing. And should you give up 333 yards in the first half? No. But you also shouldn't only score six points in the second half um, with your starting quarterback back. But especially when the defense is, is forced, you know, takes the ball away from C.J. Stroud three times. I mean, he'd only had two interceptions all year, and they pick him off three times. Like, that's that's an extremely great performance by by a defense, especially in, in the second half, when you're giving your offense a chance. And when, you're, when your defense is doing that and you've got your starting quarterback, that's that's where that, that should happen. And it just it just didn't. It just didn't. And that was the that was the bummer. Yeah, and it's just it's just interesting to see that they're in the position now and and it's you know, I really just do think it's about time and, and cohesiveness and as that continues to grow that they'll be in a better a better spot and you know, they'll be able to pull out some wins because you know, like we said, you're probably looking at two to three being the goal and now, you know, six games left and 
that I, I think two to three is still a realistic goal. <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, you know, I didn't remember this. I did. I was looking at the, I'm looking at the box score. I'm like, I don't remember when BJ Jalar got a sack. Was it a full sack or a half a sack? It was a full sack. He has a full sack oh, okay. that was for a one yard loss. Yeah, I missed it too. I oh, remember. it might have been when Stroud started to scramble. That's the only thing I can think. Maybe. Maybe. So, but yeah, I mean, I thought overall they, you know. And what the heck? Cashman, the linebacker, the game he had? Yeah. 19 tackles and a sack? Whoa. Whoa. So, so looking at that, um, how much, if we, if we want to spread out, you know, this is this is a this is a radio show type thing rather than you know our podcast. We we don't normally go like this. If you were to if you were to to assign percentage of blame, the defense, the offense, um, Kyler, and then the 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 fourth down decisions. How do you divvy up the percentages? I would uh, I put. You know, I think it would be fifty percent of the blame goes to to uh, the fourth down des- decisions. I, I think twenty five percent goes to Kyler and twenty five percent goes to the defense because the, I think they both had a bad half, but those those decisions led to the issues that Kyler had being more pronounced. I guess you could say, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. How close are the Cardinals to being the team that they want to be? That's coming up next on Rise Up Red. We're back on the Rise of Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. How close are the Cardinals? This is a Cardinals team that that with Kyler back, they won a game down the stretch in a, on a game-ending drive, were in position to win, and after that game, the players were they were not they were not good. You know, Kyler was. Kyler sat at his locker room for at his locker forever, just very dejected about how they had posi- that how they had plays to make that they just didn't do that the defense balled out in the second half and and they couldn't convert. This is a team, you know. And Josh Woods, um, he made the comments like, "I've been on some bad teams. This is not a bad team. This team is different." And, and so the question comes to be, how close are they? So on paper. Two and nine. They have the second pick in the draft right now. They're the second worst team in the NFL, and they don't have a good defense and they don't have a good offense, like statistically. But if you watch this team play, you can see they're not terrible. How close are they to being the team that we think they can be? This this feels like this could be like the way that they they're structured. This is a win ugly kind of team, isn't it? Yeah, right now it definitely is. They just lack the talent to do anything else. Uh, but they're they're so well coached, especially on defense, and they're and they're prepared. And th- those are things that you can't really count on or you know discount. And so that's the biggest thing I'm you know I'm kind of looking at right now is you have to look at it and and say that they're in positions. And so now it's about can they overcome the lack of talent and and. It's, I don't know how you feel, but I, you know, if you looked at this just on paper, that you would think that the Texans were the better team, right? Like, 
offensively, defensively, they just have more dudes. Um, and so for the Cardinals to be in a position to win a game or win the game, it it shows that they're close. And, you know, the the guy at Turf Show Times uh, asked, was was asking about that overall and and i said and you know i said by the way is the rams blog recipe oh yeah so they were doing that they're they're behind enemy lines or five good questions preview for the rams game so that this is where this comes up from yeah yeah and i said you know i and i would love to get your take on it you look at a a lot of things they're i think they're ninth overall in sacks on the team or on the in the NFL, ninth. They're thirtieth in pressure rate. <laughs> what? And yeah. And then they're um they're dead last in quarterback hits. Like dead last in quarterback hits percentage. And so they scheme extremely well to get sacks, but they don't have a singular guy that you're just like, hey, this is a guy that can cause havoc over and over and over again rushing the passer right and then you look at it and you look at that game and you say if you're talking about like a lot of what happened on sunday you like you're frustrated and you should be i mean that's a winnable game in a season where you lack the talent that you'll be in a lot of winnable games yeah, and so you look at it, they just don't have a pass rusher, right, that, that strikes fear in in creating pressures or getting creating havoc consistently. They do a great job of scheming up things, though. And then you look at their performance on, on Sunday, and you just you look at the overall aspect of it, and you go, man, can you imagine, and obviously I still think it was the right decision, but can you imagine Will Anderson? on that defense <laughs> did you, you hear know, like I, I know the interest is complete side note um pro football talk had a quick interview with him and i i know he's saying that he would say the say something different but being there in houston he said i'm glad i'm here and not there referring to arizona but i mean i mean i i don't doubt it at the time i mean the thing is with D'Amico ryan's is he's he's a very um appreciated coach and so you know the culture he's building and and the unknown of of what's happening in in arizona you know before gannon got there i i I mean it kind of makes sense but i think it's you know i think it's changing especially the perception because i mean gannon has the respect of a lot of people and and the way that his team has played now you're only going to get that respect for so long but this it feels similar to what you're seeing in, in detroit with dan campbell right yes like that they're they're building the culture into the right thing, and and that's I think the biggest thing is you look at this and you go, you know, and, and it, there's so much time left in the season. I know I know seven weeks doesn't see or six weeks doesn't seem like a lot, but there's so much time left in, in in the season. And when you look at when you look at the mock drafts and and things like that, like one of the the most positive things i can say is that they're the arizona cardinals are in such a good spot for um for what they need heading into the season and i just think that that is how you have to look at 
the situation. It's unfortunate that they're missing out on a win like they should have had last week, right? But if you if you just look at the the outcome, you're going to miss the process. And I think the process is telling us that if they get a guy, you know, say in, in this instance, you you mentioned it earlier, they're they're drafting number two. Say they're sitting at number two, and and the Giants or uh, the Texans or the Falcon, not the Texans, sorry, the Titans or the Falcons, or maybe even the Commanders, right? Or all need to get in front of the Patriots who are sitting at three, or the Patriots are even like, hey, we'll give you, you know, three and thirty-six or whatever it is. You you can make that move and move down, and you can get you know yeah maybe you miss out on Marvin Harrison Jr. and he looks like he's going to be phenomenal, but you can get you know a a guy um, that that helps out along the offensive line, and then you look at that that pick um, later in the draft right now, and and there's just so many enticing guys that that could fit in on this defense, where realistically, I mean if you look at this defense. Outside of the safeties and and pre-injury this week, of course, Kaiser White, what guy are you looking at going, oh, you know, they don't need to worry about replacing him or, or finding somebody better than him? No, literally every position. You're yeah, like, oh. You look they- at everyone, you're like, he's nice, but yeah. you could you could definitely do better. Like every, everyone in their front seven, except for White, you're like, you could do better. Yeah, and, and so that's how you have to look at this. Like, it sucks. Trust me. I, Jess and I have been fans forever. We've, so you know, long. Jess, Jess has been covering <laughs> the team for uh, over a decade now. I've I've been in for covering them for about a decade. It's much more fun when we're having conversations about competing for playoff positioning and things of that nature. But the reality is right now, that they just lack the talent. And so if the process or you're going, you're lamenting things like, oh, they should have won that game. But then you can look at it and go, man, if they just had a guy at this position or a guy at this position, that that probably changes the outcome of the game. And that to me is why I'm like, I, I hate it. I hate that they lost. I hate all of that. But at the same time, I'm going, all right, you know, maybe having the second or third pick or, you know, the second pick isn't the worst thing in the world because you kind of control the draft. Like, yeah, you, you're able well, to and, manipulate and, and like, the even if you, if like, if you're dead set on, on Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. You have the number two pick. You can, you can do what awesome did last year, trade back, trade up. If that's right. who you really want. And apparently they really wanted Paris and future picks. So they, I'm sure Will Anderson was on their radar, but if given the choice between Anderson and normal picks or Paris Johnson and many picks, they right. were like, like Johnson is a is they felt that Johnson is a good enough like cornerstone tackle that you're like, yeah, he's he's worth that. He's worth that still. And so that's the way you have to look at it. And you know, I think right now this is um it's just one of the situations where i think that it's unfortunate but you also have to 
I, being patient is probably the wrong word, but you have to understand where you're at in the process and understand that you're not close to be, being at the end result. Because if that if this is the end result, then yes, this is obviously <laughs> completely you know useless and a waste of time and blah blah blah. But I think with how close they seem to be, that you have to you have to be excited about like, hey, once they get some more high level nfl talent and that's you know again i hate bringing this up almost every week but that's the other reason that jess and i are just like unless it's just so bad with kyler you can't move on because it just whether it's the whether it's the draft pick at two or one or three or whatever or the free agency money like you're you're really you're really cutting your nose off to spite your face at that point Cause you're saying like, okay, you know, we lack all this talent, but we have to get a new quarterback. Okay. Well, so your best, tr- your best trade ship, your number two pick is gone. Cause you, you can't trade that pick away and then just go pick somebody. Right. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> We've seen how that works. And then obviously I would assume you're not keeping Kyler on the roster. So now yes. you're saying goodbye. You're, you're saying goodbye to $40 million in free agency money. So, like, all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, we're going to sacrifice the talent again for one more year to get this quarterback to have in, in-house in for a year where, okay, maybe instead of winning three games, now we win four games. And, and, and then in 2025 we can compete. I just don't see how a fan base, a coaching staff – I don't see how an organization can sell that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't work very well. Absolutely. Uh, coming next on the Rise of Zero podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. There's more injuries to two more defensive starters. How are they going to? How are the Cardinals going to handle that moving forward? That's coming next on Rise of Red. We're back on the Rise of Red podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. Cardinals suffered two big starter injuries in the third. Um, at least it, it looks like. We'll, we'll see about Antonio Hamilton. Three guys left the game. Antonio Hamilton did something with his groin on the interception, which was a great play, but the way he came off the field, you're like, eh, he's probably not playing next week. Um, Kaiser White left the game. It was first reported as an elbow and a shoulder. Turns out he tore his biceps. He's done for the year. Um, and then Lucky Fotu left with a hand injury. Turns out to be a broken bone in his hand, and despite... An initial report from Ian Rappaport saying that he could get surgery and might not miss any time. The Cardinals put him on IR with White today, reporting Tuesday. Um, so he's done until, at best, he can play in the final two games. So that now, that makes now three defensive linemen, two of them who were starters to start the season, and a third who was starter in Calibre and Carlos Watkins, that are on injured reserve Um that is the third torn biceps that we've dealt with that, you know, LJ Collier, Carlos Watkins, and now Kaiser White. What, you know, uh, at least at linebacker, at least at linebacker, having Chris Barnes, I think he's not at the same level as White, but I think you feel better about that situation than the defensive line. It looks like I thought maybe they would, but how they changed it on Sunday is that that Woods, Josh Woods, became the, the green dot guy, had the, the, the signal caller, and they brought in Barnes to play the Woods role. We'll see if that is reversed this week. 
if they if they bring in Barnes to play the mic and then Woods plays the what his normal role would be. Um, but t- that defensive line keeps taking hits and uh, they keep adding guys and they get a little production and it's really unfortunate because Foto is having the best year of his career. Like he was being impactful this year for the first time in his career with the his first 3 years it looked like he was you know, and I will say, Lecky Foto was one of my favorite picks in that draft because of the potential that he had. And he just never, never did much in the Cardinals' defense for the last three years. And this year, playing basically a traditional nose tackle and, and building the role a little bit like that, you know, he had two and a half sacks, he's been impactful, he's been healthy, and now now he's out for four weeks. Can, can they really afford to take any more hits on that D-line? Right, and and that's been the crazy thing, and it goes back to my point of the process is just it's fine because you know Fotu was a starter. Don't get me wrong, but he was the least utilized starter when everybody was healthy, which was two games. So I mean, who knows how it would have played out <laughs> over the season? But he was going to be the least utilized starter. And now, you know, he was playing out of necessity, you know, 40 to 50% of the snaps. And, and so this is just a situation where I, I just truly, truly, um, it just seems like we can't get a break in this situation. <laughs> and, and it's funny because, you know, I don't think when when you look at it, you and I are like and are like, oh, this, you know, if these guys are healthy, they're a you know, they're a five and you know, they're a five and six team. No, I don't think that's what we're saying. I think what we're saying is that you're just able to compete better. Yeah, they just they'll have a less bad defense. Like they've done okay and then there's some metrics they do okay. And then there's others, like you're like, ew. Like they're they give up they have the give up the second highest pass, uh, opponent passer rating in the NFL entering last week at 101 that you know at, at a passer rating against of 101 context and and they had a historically bad one back in 2018 it was like 109 but 101 this basically on average every quarterback is a pro bowl all pro against you in right. terms of passer rating as opposed to back back in 2018 or, or 2019, 20, I don't remember which, which which year it was, and they were giving up like a 109. That's like opposing quarterbacks were Hall of Famers against you for an entire year. Right, and that's, you know, what makes it difficult. And, you know, it's just a situation that the, it just seems untenable, and it always has been. I mean, we knew that, and, and like I said, the – the big thing was that you you just don't have the talent anyways and now you're losing what is probably you know one of your more talented players and so it's just it just makes the whole situation a, a little more difficult to deal with and, and having to work through because it's just not something that you can it's just not something you can overcome especially this late in the season right yeah it, it's yeah, because what you what you definitely need is more more Roy Lopez and Ben Stilley to to fill the middle of the defensive line, right? 
Right. I mean, Roy Lopez isn't is he's not bad, but Ben Stilley is is a guy, and Jonathan Ledbetter still got the shoulder injury. We'll see if he can come back this week, but they're they're having to go deep into that that defensive line room. That's now you know two of their three opening day starters um, are on injured reserve, and then their their best backup in Carlos Watkins is now on injured reserve uh, to go with foe two. They've missed basically you know Ledbetter's missed games. Um, you also had Kevin Strong. I think he missed a game, a on top of the games that you already missed, and so now you're you're down to like defensive linemen four through nine, like in terms of the depth chart, and it's just ooh. At least on even like Chris Barnes immediately came in and made made a big play, and Chris Barnes was one of those really underrated signings. He's not dynamic. Like, I will say this: Kaiser White is a tone setter. He is physical. Hey, he is he's he's a dog on the field. Like when he gets in the mix, he's trying to he's trying to inflict pain and take the ball away. I think he leads the teams in tackles for losses, which is which is good. It's that's impressive from from that Mike linebacker position. He's making plays. Um, he's a defensive captain, and so we're going to see if they can continue to compete at least uh, defensively, while hopefully the offense can pick up and. and and I think with that, I think we can wrap up this edition of the show. Um, the rest of the week is a little bit up since it is the holiday week. It's a little bit up in the air. We don't know whether I'm going to do, whether Seth and I are going to do, we'll try to do a preview show for the Rams game, and I think I'll try to get uh, Cam DeSilva from Rams Wire as well sometime this week. But if not, you know, at minimum, we'll talk about the Rams next week uh, after the game in and next week. So maybe a show or two coming up the rest of the week. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Rue. This is the Rise Up Secret Podcast. Of course, thanks for listening as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Red.